Welcome to Remarkable Woman Radio. I am your host, Mandy Beverly. This is a podcast for women by women. As we know, a rising tide lifts all boats, but sometimes we know there can be a few stormy seas. So when the tough times happen, the proverbial hits the fan, what do you do? Who do you have to become in the process? That's the real story, and that's remarkable. We love to tell the story of women that are a few steps further ahead on their own entrepreneurial journey. They know exactly what it feels like to be where you are. So these women are not only paving the way for themselves, but they're also paving the way for the women that follow in their footsteps. This is Remarkable Woman Radio. Welcome to Remarkable Woman Radio. I'm Mandy Beverly, and I'm here today with my guest, Lisa Day, who's a registered architect from Danau Day Architects. So thank you very much for coming along today. Really excited to be talking to you. Excited to be here. Well, it's yeah, really good to having a chat. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm, I'm really excited, actually, because I love what you do and what you bring to architecture. Um, because you've got the practical elements of, you know, of having a family as well as mm-hmm. having this amazing design aesthetic that you have. I love the message that you bring to architecture about it being spaces for life and feeling connected and also bringing in the intuitive kind of response into your design process. So I'd love to know a little bit more about what you do at Denal Day Architects. Oh, cool. Thank you. Look, it's, it has been, it's been a passion of mine right from high school to study architecture and it was something that um, I went in to study it, not really understanding the full gamut of what that involves. And uh, architecture envelops science. It envelops um, uh, psychology. It, it covers people's responses to spaces, their well-being. It has so many facets to it that it's not just about building a nice-looking room or a house or whatever it might be. And I think that's what I love about the whole um, uh, career that I've chosen is that it has these, like, um, it has a legacy that lasts for generations. And when you look at all those different facets and you're creating an architecture that is responsive to climate, that is responsive to well-being, that is responsive to how people live, um, it's such an amazing thing. And it's just, it's one of those um, uh, fascinating subjects that I just can't tire of. <laughs> it's, always, it's, always, it's always amazing. And so each and every project that I have, um, the dynamics are always subtly different. The, the, t- the clients, what their requirements are, what their dreams are, the site, the context that it's in. And that's where that intuitive architecture really comes to the fore and that it's a responsive, um, it's, not a, it's not a template, it's not a cookie cutter world. It's something that is actually designed to be responsive. Even if it's a prefab home, it still has mm. the flexibility associated to flex with those conditions um and so that's something that I've developed over the years is that it it does need to do that it just it's not a static fixed commodity here we are cookie cutter this is is what you get (laughs) so so the intuitive side of it is you taking in all of those considerations and then you've got to sort of pass it through all of your 
abilities and the way you interpret it. And the reading is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And then making sure that that the way you present or what you do present to people is then able to be interpreted for what they need. Wow. Yeah. And that that comes through through an understanding of um, the clients, the people, who they are, their personality type, what they need in order to understand or to even what they need as people to grow to what what drives them, what helps them um, create environments that helps them achieve their goals and their dreams. Amazing. Does the responsibility of that ever get to you? Because that's quite a responsibility to take everything, everybody's <laughs> goals and wishes and dreams because I know what you know my, my dream house would be and then to go, oh, here you are. And by the way, this is my budget. I mean, just the responsibility of being able to deliver yeah. as much as you can must I be think, quite considerable. It's, it's interesting, but I think one of the um, skills that – um, I've always had is just that big picture mentality and that has been a really big asset in this um, career is because I can that sort of thinking comes naturally to me and yes it is a big responsibility and I don't take that lightly and particularly with COVID uh, the current environment and budgets that's a biggie I mean a, people will come to you with a really decent budget and then you compare that with the brief and say, like, whoa, okay. <laughs> the scales are just, a, are just a really out of balance here. And you do have to actually be able to have those conversations in a way that it's like, well, okay, what, what are the priorities here? How can we actually focus on the things that need to happen, bearing in mind the current economic context or product availability or whatever it might be? So, um, yeah, multifaceted, but it is... I love that. I, I, it, it drives me. It's something that um, that complexity is fascinating to me to be able to stitch a solution together that is elegant and simple and um, feels right for the context and the family out of such complexity. It's, it's an art and a skill that takes years to develop, but you're always learning and that's kind of cool. That sounds really cool. That's amazing. And so obviously you've always wanted to do it, but what inspired you to really go, you know what, this is, I want to take it here. What, what inspired you to, to really sort of build your, your business the way it's going at the moment? Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. So I, I worked um, after, so I went to architecture school, uh, Auckland architecture school and graduated as a senior scholar. So I did really well and I was able to, um, read what <laughs> understand it, it just came uh, innately to me and so I graduated with A pluses and um, design awards and scholarships and MISC and things like that and I only say that because the personality type going into it was not the typical driver analytical. It was a driver combined with a, um, sort of like the red green dynamic. It's quite a rare one. And I wasn't the typical architect that came out the other end. <laughs> and, but that, that in turn um, influenced my approach to how I wanted to grow what I wanted to do in architecture. So the caring, nurturing side, um, of my personality that people would always come from one or the other, either you're a driver or you're a nurturer. Like, you can't possibly be both. Actually, you're going to, and you everyone's <laughs> multifaceted and really in this case, really so much so. But what I wanted to do with that was actually create architecture that was responsive to families and that was responsive to their needs and that wasn't um, 
you know, I'd lived in enough houses over the years to know how storage really needs to work. (laughs) Just just really basic things like that. Um, But how things seem to flow. And that was something that after having worked for several years in really high-profile practices, after having my second child, I decided, actually, it's time. I need to... I want to spend a more time with my family, but I also want to grow a practice that is based around certain values, um, that is based around certain principles um, that really prioritizes this well-being aspect of the architecture. It wasn't trophy architecture. It was something that had a bit more depth to it, kind of, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it's actually, you put it, it, maybe. <laughs> no, you put it really well. And I love that you sort of said it's really the, the well-being architecture and it's really taking in all the different functions of, of the space rather than go, here's this beautiful house, that's my trophy. I mean, um, you've got a beautiful website and for listeners here, look up Donnell Day. Um, .co.nz because it is a beautiful website and she's um, showcasing some gorgeous houses on there. Um, So you're lucky that you do have the design aesthetic so you can create the trophy, but you can also bring in that well-being and in that intuitive and that yeah. real heartfelt space, which is a lovely combination, actually. Yeah, really. That's nice. right. You want you want somebody to go into those spaces and um, just feel something. That there, it, it evokes some um, feeling, and you you can't. It's not like choreographing somebody's life. It's actually just providing healthy environments that people um, can grow within that are they are comfortable within that they feel at home within um and rather than just a glass box that looks amazing in a magazine but isn't practical to live in so those are the things that I really wanted to um introduce and how we designed as a company and as firm and we just grew it from literally the kitchen table so we we took small alterations and I because I was working around kidney sleeps and kidney hours and like toddlers naps and things like that the projects grew in sizes the kids grew so the practice actually grew alongside the family um and that was important to me too and that meant that the portfolio grew very slowly but at the same time there was so much learning infused in that that was from just actually the hard graft of being at home (laughs) and managing both professional life and a family life at the same time so difficult but yeah, I was going to say, have you got any pearls of wisdom around that? Because that is a challenge, you know, like right now worldwide is the real yeah, meshing is, of yeah. the home and work life. And I don't know that there's anything as such as work-life balance because at the moment they're, they're both really intersected and one can take over. But what would your advice okay. be to someone that's trying to do both, you know, build a career as well as the family at the same time? Yeah, look, it is a flow thing and there are going to be seasons as you go through where one will need more energy than the other and there will be seasons where you are going to need a support team around you to help you do that. And I think that's key because it is very easy to think you have to do it all. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where it is really critical that you have a supportive partner or you have supportive parents or something that actually can give you a bit of space to just sit for a little bit while you focus on the family and let the flow state of that work through. So I kind of equate it to navigating a river or a <laughs> bit of rapids. Sometimes you're paddling really fast. Sometimes it's, it's slower, but you just have to go. The path that you choose needs to be aligned with your values. 
That's a really nice answer, Lisa. That's that's really because um, it is. It's it's tough, you know, and everyone it beats themselves up when it doesn't go well. But you know, the, the, it is. It's a it's a flow thing, and and I love that. Yeah, because you can see the rapids well. arriving, yeah. and then you kind of <laughs> paddle to prevent it. But sometimes you just gotta kind of go. Okay, yeah. I'm just gonna you know bring everything I can and and focus where I am. I love that. Yeah, I think it. I think it's making sure that you're not paddling frantically all the time because you will burn out. And I think that's really important that you have those school, those calm pulls that you come across every now and then and you make the most of those times. Um, and that's critical to actually be able to continue on that journey um, for a long time, basically. Wow, I love that. And do you bring that concept into designing houses as well? So, you know, because a lot of us, we're yeah. all out there paddling so fast and then you just want your home Absolutely. to be part of that calm pond, really, or that calm pool of water. Yeah. Hmm. So when, when you're designing um, a home, you are thinking of the flow of space. You're thinking of the flow of how people move through their spaces and the way that you design the textures, the surfaces can speed people up, can move, slow people down. So literally the materiality of um, the surface that you move past, a really rough surface will actually make you slow down and create a wider berth around it, a smooth surface. It's used in retail a lot. It's you know, designed. You're designed to like <laughs> enable you to pause to stop and look something. Um, and so you're designing that space to flow in a way that feels right or that encourages rest or encourages um, sociability or at certain times of day and light. And I think in the design state, that whole flow thing is really relevant. There's a really good book um, that a friend gave me uh, called The Creative Path, I think it is called. Um, and she talks about this flow state. And it was something that I always um, felt a little uh, guilty about, like immersing myself into a creative flow state because it was so absorbing. But that's where you get so much of the design done and the thinking done is when you're in this um, uh, the state but it was it was almost a celebration of that which is like oh that's awesome <laughs> it's not, it's not, more often people are saying you're blanking me or, or whatever it might be but it's like no 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 the flow state's a really critical place where you're absorbed and actually developing an idea or, or a, um something so uh, yeah I think that metaphor can keep going basically it's like there's so many ways you can apply it but I think you just talked about that flow stage and I think nowadays sometimes as human beings we can be taken out of flow really easily we've got you know there's so many ways to interrupt us or interrupt ourselves distraction and all of that sort of stuff that actually giving yourself time to go in there and be really present to what's Yes. coming through what's you know Absolutely. whatever language you want to use for it that's um so useful you're in the now yeah you're in the and now yeah that is critical and I think that, that that's often the danger with um the multitasking the busyness of home work kind of thing is that you're pulled in and out of it a lot um and so dedicating spaces for different things is quite good or having spaces that can open up and shut down um in a flexible way so you're not you know having adding more area you're actually creating it so you have an eddy or a pool or a focus space um it's really important because it is it is a big source of the creativity of the ideas that we come up with and our productivity as well so yeah no that's 
So important. And I think as we're going through, as we get older, maybe we just realise that multitasking, you know, it used <laughs> to be the thing that was to do, whereas nowadays it's actually, it's not very, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> there's almost too much going on. And so you, you just go nowhere. It's, yeah. So um, yeah. I, I like that, just giving yeah. yourself time to really focus and be, be there and be now. What would you say is a real guiding principle or theme across, could it be across your life or your business or mm. even just more business focused? It's really interesting because there's, uh, if I think back to the different um, pivot points in my life that have meant I've chosen certain paths or I've taken different directions, there's like, there's an internal compass and it's like it has, um, no matter uh, like if you're on the, on the sea or something and you've got a compass and, you know, it can jiggle around a lot, but, you know, but if storms are going to hit you and things like that. And there's points at which is you just waiting for it to recalibrate so you can see, where the, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a north. And I think one of the um, principles is that, that, that trueness to your um, own, what's the word? I'd like to say integrity for the things that are important to you. And I'm, I know Brene Brown um, said her definition of integrity was like choosing courage over comfort, choosing what is right over what is um, fun, fast, easy, and choosing to practice our values rather than simply professing them. And I think often the choices that I've made are not necessarily easy choices, but as long as they're in line with my values based on the information that I have at the time, I can stand by those choices moving forwards and I know that each step I take, no matter what storm going on around me, is in alignment with that. And look, if the information changes and I have to redirect course or something because new information comes to hand, it, it just means that north is um, helps me stay on track and helps me decide what I want to introduce and what I need to cull. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's the other harder thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know as we as we go on now, we think boundaries and things like that, what we need to cull, what we need to declutter from our lives, what we need to just sort of go what's most important. What's most important. Yeah. 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 And I love the way you speak in metaphors because we've now got the sea, we've got the river. <laughs> And we've got the compass going true north, but I've got a visual, so, you know, I'm, okay, I'm totally there. <laughs> so, you know, architecture is a, um, it's not many people really know all about it, you know, um, but what would be a myth that you would like to sort of debunk or, or what sort of gets under your skin about the way people might talk about architecture? Look, I think it's often portrayed as a type of fashion and I think it's often portrayed that architects are um, impractical, that they don't listen, that they're only out to achieve their own, you know, artistic goals with other people's money. And I think that is is everything that I don't want architects to be. <laughs> so it, it's really difficult when you, you are automatically lumped under that bracket. And I think... The other thing about architecture is not just drawing up a building. There's all these problem-solving things that every architect goes through, that every architect is trained in to look at the holistic principles behind it. And that covers urban design. That covers how buildings relate to the street. What are the spaces in the street that it creates? Are you building massive walls that are really alienating? It covers so many different aspects of um, 
energy efficiency of of thinking about the future of how we build not just replicating stuff over and over and over but actually going look how can we build better how can we build better for future generations so I think it's um magazines don't do much in terms of promoting just and even our own institute only promotes really pretty super expensive architecture and while that is really great from an advertising perspective it doesn't do much for from an education perspective to say look architecture can be so much more like you're loving it every day <laughs> it's like it's not about fashion it is about life it has to be about life so um yeah, so the, those are the things we try. And, well, actually, generally, the clients who come to us are educated in that and they expect more from their architecture. And that's really exciting because you're working with a collaborative approach to create something that really is um, going to move things forward, that's going to challenge expectations, that is going to look at how you can build affordably but sustainably. There's just so many parameters that you can do, not just about luxury, high-end stuff. How do you guys stay ahead of all the trends coming coming out? Because you know? <laughs> there's a lot out there, you know. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. So the pictures that you see on Pinterest, on magazines, they are the houses that were built two years ago. So the trends that you're looking at now was stuff we were working on like years ago, literally years ago. So we're creating the trends. We're the ones who are actually at the forefront of that. So anything that you're pinning is was done and dusted. It was so you stay. Uh, I guess it's not so much about trends or fashion. It's actually about look how can we do this better? What's a different way of actually creating a stimulating environment for somebody? Or to what's the different materials we can use to actually use it so it's carbon neutral so that we are actually not harming the environment through what we're building. And those things will come out gradually in the next lot of images that you'll start seeing popping up. So we're usually ahead of the game rather than copying the game, if that makes sense. There's yeah. often, we will often get asked, look, if, hey, I really like this job that you did, or I really like these types of images. And how we work with that is that we might take a couple of little, little um, items that they really, really love and kind of replicate those coming through. So, Know, like a subway tile, you know, it's yeah, like, it's like a generic kind of thing that you go, uh, okay, well, you know, it's no drama that allow, but we just twist it around a different way or something. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's what we will often do is we will take someone's imagery that they've collected and encourage them to have a variety of images. Don't just tell us, give us prescriptive response, give us textures, colors, light, show us the type of day that you love. Where do you love to sit to text? you know, a window seat or do you shut the curtains or whatever, those sorts of things. And then we take the essence of those imagery and we actually try and twist it into something a little different. We try and evolve that a little bit further rather than just slavishly copying something um, so that it feels right, new and is site-specific as well. So we're not just like replicating something. Hampton's property and <laughs> which are very nice might do but you may but. have aspects of materiality or it may use similar language features mm. but if you actually go through that house you will see the difference radically and it's well if you've actually experienced the other one in person oh, that is um so there will always be some 
aspect that we've taken we've moved it forwards we're not trying to slavishly coffee stuff if, if we can at all how this client really says I know I really want that detail there kind of thing something like that it's so, okay but we'll, we'll 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 make you know we'll just put our because that would be challenging isn't it to to have all of these ideas and they go no I just want that you know and then you've got to kind of help bring them along because there's a safety in going well I know what this is going to look like so there has to I guess be yeah. a bit of trust in the process to there evolve yeah. that vision as well so yes. and we're all unique and at I, the end I think of the day. we do use technology <laughs> to do that as well Mm. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we, we use technology to that purpose. So we give them supply rounds and uh, 3D models and they can literally, or we can make cardboard models. We try and make sure that whatever we do, they re- we do renders. You know, there's lots of different ways that we communicate with people depending on their level of spatial understanding, actually. So, um, and so we work with them on that and materiality and sample boards and colours. And um, by the end of the day, you, they, once you've got the full package, you can generally see how it all fits together. And um, we're set, because I have that ability to generally read people relatively well, I can, I can uh, that, that ability to actually see what's going to actually fit them really well is something that um, might come a little easier to me than some others possibly mm. I'm not sure it's anyway, a nice so. skill. well that's a really useful skill to have and you've got me all excited now so as you sort of already alluded to that you were building your business alongside your children and I know it would have been you know fun to launch out and get on with it but at the same time you've you've everything's been growing with you if you could go back and talk to your younger yeah. self what advice would you give her from the perspective <laughs> that you've got now and I mean I know we all might sort of brandish our pointy finger at them or something but you know sometimes there's a there's a lot of wisdom that comes out of that question yeah, there is actually. I think it's. Um, I think it's not. Don't let people put you in a box to say what you can and can't do, and I think that's the interesting thing is that as a woman in architecture, it, there are quite a few. It, it has been an old boys club for uh, many many years. And you're up against um, some fairly well-established expectations of what you do. So as a graduate, I was given the kitchens design or I was given, you know, various different things that you go, looking back, honey, you should just stand up and say, (laughs) stand your ground. I mean, I I still, there are positives and negatives out of all these things. I learned a lot about detailing cabinetry and stuff like that and fortunately they did give me overview of projects from beginning to end to see so I got registered really quickly which was amazing so it's it's those expectations and particularly as a woman who is has leadership skills or has driver type skills and again that you are there are these boxes that people put you in and I would go back and say look stand your ground like own who you are don't be ashamed of that your focus that the things that people say you're too much at at those early days you're too assertive you are too focused you those are your super skills those are your like absolute talents because they are things that 
or stand you out above other people. And yeah, of course, we all have to moderate some of those <laughs> skills so that they don't alienate people. But at the same time, it's like, actually, they don't need to be ashamed of them, though. That's the thing. And it's, it's people will tell you that when they feel that's lacking in themselves or you are making them. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I think, like, stand your ground. You, I mean, it's not taking those characteristics to the extreme, but it's saying I'm okay as I am. I'm whole as I am. I don't. There is a point at which you can be accepted for who you are without having to carve off aspects that are core to your personality. That's so important because often those aspects are reflected to someone else that's got issues. It's not actually, it's you're too much for them, but not for you. You know, that's, yes. that's the thing. And, we, <laughs> yes. and it does take a little bit of time to honour that because you've also it take time. mixing yeah. it in with how do I fit in, you know, I and, think and all of that. those. You're still but, finding yourself. I think yeah. in those early days, you're still finding out so is this right? Is this who, you know, and I think that uns- it takes time and a bit of wisdom and a bit of self-acceptance to go, actually, <laughs> actually this is a gift. It's like, mm. actually, some people don't have this. This is a gift. And if I use it for good, <laughs> it's a gift. You're super powerful, good, not evil. For yeah, good, not evil, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so it's talking about superpowers and obviously with your design aesthetic and, and all of the things that you've just been telling us about, um, what advantage do you think being a woman architect, because you were bringing that up before, what what advantage do you think that brings to to obviously the legacy that you can create is a big question, but also to your clients as well. It is interesting, actually, because I think at the end of the day, an architect is an architect. Like with your male or female, you're an architect. You have a different, everyone has a slightly different take on how they approach architecture, whether it's analytical, whether it's big picture, whether it's, and so the aspect of being a female doesn't, it sounds really, but it doesn't, matter because we're all architects and we all have a div- but what it what it does matter and is that there is now an increasing diversity in the voice of architecture and I think it that is what is important so whether um it's non-gender specific or however you def- choose to define yourself that diversity is the most important thing because so often the architecture has been defined by a single white male voice over historically I'm talking mm-hmm. the more that people from um, different um, cultures within New Zealand different genders different are practicing the more diverse and responsive our architecture is going to be to the community and I think that is what matters that is the most important thing so that you have a greater Right, it's not just a black box. It's you know, yeah. not a busted glass box or a black box. The actual architecture that's coming out has this richness to it, and I think, and often more often than not, a greater responsiveness to the land and the culture that it is built for. Um, and that is important. That is super important. And I am really pleased to have been a part of that gradual change that's slowly happening. I mean, even still, only 20% of registered architects are female, 80% really? are male. Yeah. Mm. It's gradually changing, but it's still a really low value when you compare it to other professions. 
and that does that impacts the architecture that's produced so the more we can increase that diversity is yeah more interesting I mean, it, it becomes help, right? mm, yeah absolutely that's amazing I have a question that I've been asking all my guests lately, and one of them is, if you could have dinner with three people alive or dead, who would it be and why would you choose them? <laughs> and I'd love it. I'm getting some really cool answers from this, so I'm oh, always so fascinated. Cool. Yeah. Um, look, because usually we have a big, like, three-metre-long dining table as the heart of our house, so we have people over for dinner so often and usually they're couples or families and things like that so I was thinking about this and the, a lot of the ones that I've chosen are couples um they're kind of power not a no, couple but couples or something they're they're like so um Robin and Lucy and Day they were this friend he was a furniture designer and she was a textile designer and they worked in Britain and the 40s and 50s, right up to their deaths, um, uh, relative 2010. I think they both died within a, at age 95. And they were, I met both of them briefly when I was in London, and they were fascinating. They were just the most amazing people to talk to just about design and about um, how they work together as a couple. Um, really interesting. So that would be number one. Number two, um, Annabelle Langbein and Ted, I think would be awesome to get. I have actually met them once and like, honestly, the most amazing couple, a visionary and just what they do. And I know you know them as yeah, well. And I think amazing. Yeah, mm. they would be really cool. And I think the third one would probably be my grandparents actually. And they passed away in their nineties too, but again, they were makers and creators and, um, had a tag team going on there too. And I, I'm really inspired by um, people who, they're not necessarily doing the same thing, but they really inspire each other and they help each other um, like a team, basically. <laughs> and I, I love that. So, yeah, I'd probably have a collection of couples around the table that we can chat about different things about design and creation and creating stuff and leading running businesses as you do so I think that sounds really cool and the food would be top-notch totally. the design aesthetic would be top-notch <laughs> and the innovation would also be something to yeah sounds like an exciting table to be talking yeah <laughs> that's so cool and as always this is called a remarkable woman radio and I always mm -hmm. finish on this last question about as women who own who we are what is mm -hmm. most remarkable about who you are and what you do? And I ask that because I think it's so important that as women, wherever we are, whatever stage we are, we own the value, we own our own essence. And because once that can be, um, you know, that once that can be voiced out into the world, then that can get reflected mm -hmm. back to us. So, so Lisa, what is most remarkable about who you are and what you do? <laughs> um, I think uh, there's possibly two aspects one's vision and the, the celebration of being able to see and to be able to vision a, um, a solution for lives architecture people and number two is courage to actually take firm steps to get there and that does take courage I mean there's just so many unknowns when you're plotting out a course that hasn't been done before and um 
And I enjoy it, but it also scares me. It's one of those things that you're always on... um, on the edge almost. You're always on the edge mm. and it's it's like you you have to think on your feet and you have to um, check your facts. And, and yeah, look, honestly, it's, sometimes it's two steps forward, three steps back, and then okay, <laughs> you're slowly making progress. But, uh, yeah, it, it takes courage to have a vision and then go for it. And I think, yeah, that is something that is positive and negative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's very remarkable actually. Yeah. So Lisa, um how do people get hold of you? What's your uh, what's your website details? Yeah, sure. Well our company's called Denel Day Architects. So that is um you can find us on denelday.co.nz which is D-O-N-N-E-L-L-D-A-Y. Um and yeah, we've got all our contact information on there and uh, you can get hold of me and we have a quick Zoom call or a quick chat about your project. We've also got lots of resources of how to write a brief for an architect and um, information about how we work. So like, if people have got questions um, or want to know a bit more, just give me a call and we'll have a chat. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Now, just before we go, what would be one piece of a, a advice that you would love to leave our listeners our listeners right now um look I think it's it's just setting setting your dreams isn't it it's it's about kind of setting those goals and visualizing them and um and if anything that's that's what I do for a living it's trying to it's taking people's dreams and having them brought to reality so I think it's it's thinking big enough that it scares you and (laughs) (laughs) but we can work out how to do it we can work out and if you bring enough um people on board to help you with those goals to support you through that then you've got the right expertise on hand you can achieve anything it's um like you taught me it's like breaking it down into chunks it's like it's there are steps that you can take to make um a a really sensible progression to make them happen and then have the courage to actually do it too (laughs) you you can't forget that element you can't have the courage (laughs) exactly there's always going to be some level of um yeah but that's okay it's 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 that's life isn't it it's like definitely life (laughs) thank you so much for our time together today I really appreciate I've loved learning more about what you do and architecture in general and just how vast the topic actually is and how the special skill that you have to define it and distill it all down to what can actually work for someone it's really it's it's quite an incredible skill so thank you so much for today Thank you for asking me to talk. It's been really lovely talking with you. Thank you for listening to Remarkable Woman Radio. For more episodes and more details of today's show, please go to remarkablemindset.com. Let me ask you, what makes you remarkable? Remarkable.